I've bootstrapped three businesses into over six figures. Um, what am I saying? Seven figures. Yep. And I've, all I've known is bootstrap. I'm like, why do you have to put your money in me? If, if I can't bet on myself, why should anyone bet on me? That's been the mindset. So I know how to grind. But then it takes a completely different mindset when you're trying to build something that is hugely impactful. And to do that, you need to wipe off what you know and try to embrace something new. It means you have to be a kid again. This is Thank amazing. Um, and again, just thanks for considering me. I think that um, what you're doing is fantastic. It reminds me of um, when the what's it called the 50 voices in the shadow was written 50 is that a book so, yeah it's a book um by um what's it called black women in tech okay so i was one of those in and and i'm just trying to share the power of what happened and so there are 50 black women in here all in tech doing different things and we're just uh it was when when, when the lunch then happened the kids were on holiday so I took them to the lounge. Yeah, come. I, that's just because I didn't have anyone to look after them. <laughs> and then when I saw the power of what that did, they were like, "Oh wow, all oh, these women in tech." I said, "Yes, they all. Oh, how come we don't know them?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's what happens." But they're all doing amazing things. And immediately the book came out. My daughter was first to take it to school. My mom is on page wow. ninety-two, and then I had teachers stopping me to say, "Oh wow, I read about your stories. I didn't know all this are happening." So I think. For me, it was just like amazing to see the impact just in our primary school, what that made. Now imagine young girls like that now can stand tall and feel like, oh yeah, I'm good enough. And you just want them to see those sort of representation. And the more they hear, the more they see, the more they believe. So yeah, I think what you're doing is like fantastic. It's gonna be mm. tough, but then you can't just stop because you understand the impact because this is like generational impact. Yeah, definitely. That that story that you just shared now, sort mm -hmm. of like, it's such a powerful story. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes these, these people don't see it. If you don't see it, because tech is one of those spaces as well, which is typically male dominated. Yeah. Well, white male dominated, if anything. And then, but then you don't come across loads of black women, especially black women founders. Um, in that space and then your children probably haven't seen yeah. that much of that of them yeah it's like who do you want to call <laughs> yeah, yeah but it's very powerful <laughs> yeah it is yeah. it is it is and I think it's for me it's just nice that they get to see that I do this it's very tough but then it, like you know coming coming down here that was just making me even remember the chat I was just having and I'm like, gosh, do I, I'm, I have my suitcase. I'm sleeping in a hotel in London tonight because I'm on a panel on something tomorrow, 8 a.m. Do I go home and come from home? Do I, you know, there's just so much you have to think about. And you're just wondering, why are you doing this? And once you remember that, okay, <clears throat> I want my daughter to understand that she can't do anything she wants to be. She can, she it doesn't. I've always found myself in male-dominated things. It's just, I just don't understand. I don't see the gender. And you see the gender later when people start talking about it. So forget the fact that you're female, you're black, you're blue, you're green. Just do you and people will recognize it. And if they don't, you make them recognize it. <laughs> so with yourself, because you've worked in, so you worked in, because you've done, you was in Nigeria. Yeah. And then you worked in a city for a bit. Well, for a few, over a decade, I think it was. And then now, then you've run some businesses. Yeah. And it's like in all of these different, I don't know what it was like in Nigeria, but in the city, and then in the work you're doing now, it's like it's all male dominated and you don't Absolutely. come across a lot of people that look like you probably. Mm. It, that's it. it. You don't. But then when you do, you're like, oh, wow. OK. And that's that's kind of like one of the things um, it's going to take a, a not this generation, maybe not the next one um, to actually really, really get this change happen that when you walk into a building and it's their equals. Um, but it's never going to happen if we don't start. So I keep telling my kids that if you want to be successful, there's just going to be fewer people like you as you move up move up the ladder and that you just have to be comfortable with that. But what you have to do is to remain there so more people like you can be in there and see that it's possible. So, yeah, male-dominated, no male-dominated. <laughs> it just It's just how you want to see it. So I, I think I grew up knowing that Maybe I, I just, I think growing up in Nigeria was an advantage because I never felt like I'm black because everybody is. Mm. 
<laughs> so that just didn't affect my so my confidence in terms of who I am. I already knew who I was. I came to the UK. I was already 21. So it's like this is I know uh, I'm comfortable in who I am. I don't need anyone to define me. Do you get? But then it's now um and seeing I think having strong parents as well definitely helped me. Um seeing how hard they worked and knowing that they're not like the richest of the richest they're, they're even not like the proper middle class they're just like just almost middle class you know mm. um but then they they want to give their kids the best they want to try but in order for them to do that they have to go to work in the morning just like you're doing and then in the evening have something else on as a side hustle so i grew up saying side hustle like side hustle so I remember my my see my brothers tell remind me of what I used to do when I was eight years old. I'm like, really, that's true. What was that? Because my parents, my mom is not home. She comes back late. She's a midwife, so sometimes she has the night shift. And if my dad comes back, uh, he probably gets back around seven. But we get back from school after lessons, like four o'clock. So then I have to make sure my uh, younger brothers have their meal have their, you know, so it's like my mom will have kept on notes. I, I'll just read everything and I'm like, you're having this, you're having this. No, you don't touch that, you touch this. So it's like you're already showing leadership skills without even knowing that that was what that was. And until my brother was saying to my daughter that, oh, do you know what your mom was doing at eight years old? She was already in charge of everything. <laughs> like she was running the show. <laughs> I'm like, that's true. Oh, wow, yeah. I was kind of like doing that. And, um, but then I really came into my leadership. Uh, I really started to see it when I was 16. And this was when I had to basically run almost like an, an entire company by myself with 14 workers, pay them, talk to suppliers, stock everything. It was mad. At 16 years old. Yeah. And this was back in Nigeria. So I learned so much from that. It's like, <laughs> so so what so the backstory of that my mom like i said she's a midwife my dad's an engineer and uh, my mom works for the local council and sometimes you have to run the shift and things like that but she didn't got this um opportunity to go to the u.s to do midwifery for like uh, i think it was like a six-month contract and she thought it was just so good to turn down so she just uh, said, okay, what's going to happen? And I said, this, at the same time, I just finished my high school. So I was waiting to get my results in order to get into, um, into to figure out what university I'm going into. So you still have like some time at home trying to figure all of that mm -hmm. out. And so, like I said, my dad doesn't come home till later in the evening because he has to go to work, then come back. Then he has this business centers like, how do you describe business in 2023? <laughs> so this is where this was. This was before people had personal computers. So you have a typist, you have a photocopier machines, um, fax machines. So people come in there to pick up their faxes. People come in there to make phone calls. Um, people that have projects, we get people typing up their projects. Sounds then, like a like an internet cafe. Yeah, internet cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But now I can't even remember internet cafe. But that was what <laughs> that was then. And uh, but then he had uh, multiple locations. So when he finishes uh, um, in his office, he'll go to the one closer to his office. Um, at the back of my house, there was a very big. Do you know the containers in Tilbury? You know those containers. Oh God, how do I containers. describe this? So you know the containers, like that's what that's what I know it <laughs> to be called. It's like they use them in shipping things all over the world. Oh, those those like, very large, like big rectangular ones. Those ones, yeah. yeah. So imagine having four of that opened up and turned into like a big shop. Oh. And then all that is filled up with is business center. And that was what I had to run. So he had a business center on the side. He had the um, babbing saloon where people come to bob their hair. Then my mom had something similar on the side, which was like a, a mini supermarket where an off license. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had to then pay all these workers at the end of the month. So this is six month project for me. <laughs> I had to pay all these workers. I have to stock the shop. I had to make sure everything was running well. So for me, I just like, I, I thought, oh, why did she do this? But quickly I realized that, oh, she thinks I can handle it. So I said, okay, I better make her proud. So when she returns, she finds her 
shop better than she left it and I have to then do accounting to my dad every single month. So quickly, I, re- I started to remember demand and supply. So people will come in, oh, can we have Ribena? I'm like, why doesn't she have Ribena? Mm. Okay, all right, who has Ribena? Then I'll make like the, uh, I'll have to go find where to buy that in bulk, you know, have negotiations with them, understand the margins, understand what we need to do. And this was like, then you have the big Coca-Cola bringing in multiple, um, you know, giant water, Cokes, how there's just so many different types of suppliers that you have to deal with. So I learned a whole lot from that. But then the, the real change happened for me when I, every Friday, I have to go deposit money in the bank. So I overheard these ladies talking about African prints. It's called Ankara. Mm. So they're like, ah, uh, if only they could get this African print brought to them. There's no time. I'm like, hmm. That's a business. <laughs> <laughs> so mm. that was that was my mm. because I also had a friend that goes to Benin Republic, which is a neighboring country in mm. Nigeria, and she was always telling me about they have beautiful African fabrics. I'm like, so if I could ask her how to get the African fabrics, I already have customers, mm. and I did that, and I'm like, okay, so how do I convince my dad? That's never gonna happen. So we have to mm. go and buy this. Can it be a day trip? She said yes. But you have to leave very early in the morning. So we left before, as my dad was going. <laughs> <laughs> we left. Mm. And then we went to stock up. And then I went, I came back before I got back. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and now, and I already had people to buy it. So I just went to the shop. So how do I convince them to buy this? So I came up with a strategy. And the strategy, now I know the strategy is common, but then it was like a novelty to me. So I, I, I went to the women, I just went to deposit, and I'm like, oh, by the way, auntie, I've got mm. these African prints, um, and I've got quite a number. I overheard you the other day saying this, this, this. And they're like, oh, really? Okay, okay, you wait on the corner. And later <laughs> she called the other ladies, and they started to take a look. And I'm like, okay, do you know what will happen? If you buy more than two, then you don't have to pay me today. You pay me at the end of the month and you get a 10% discount. And they're oh, really? So everybody bought more than two. Mm. So I, I didn't go back with anything. Mm. They bought everything. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. Yeah. And the markup was already really, really good. Before it was happening, when are you going to have more? I'm like, so they need more. Okay. I'm like, next month, I'll have more. And that was how that gig started going. Before it was happening, I was able to return the capital. And then I had my own. And I was already doing two, three banks at this time just giving them the African prints. So I learned out of that. When, when I got into uni, I did the same thing, you know, just figuring out what students want. Then they wanted their names on their belts. You, mm. you, there was a trend going on. Like <laughs> <laughs> and then you have your name on your belt just mm. with, with stones on it. Right. And so I'm like, oh, who makes that? Okay, all right, then it's custom. So you have to pre-order and then pay me first. Mm. And then, so I, I started to learn the act of business right from there. So... Like I said, it's just, it was just nice having seen my parents do it. And I think I just stumbled onto it. And I've always known since then that I've been an entrepreneur. I've done so many things. Yeah, it sounds like it. Like you started business very young, like from 16 years old. You said from even younger. About 16 years old, you was doing your, the parents, the business center. Yeah. And then going into university and then doing the belts and that kind of thing. And then what I'm wondering is like at such a young age, 16, back home in Nigeria, did you face any challenge, especially you're dealing with older people, mm-hmm. like having to manage them and, you know, direct them? Do you have that? Yeah, of course. But then I, this is a, you know, when you're that young, you're learning things without even knowing. It's just you're just doing it. So remember, there's no pressure. I don't have mm-hmm. to make money, but I want to make money. So because of that, I didn't. So, you know, this thing about failure wasn't even a consideration. And that's actually the best way to run a business. But as far as I was concerned, this was just a, it was a hobby. Now I can really see that it's a business, you understand? So as a then, the challenges of, yeah, who is this young girl that is just selling this? So I don't have to tell them it's my business. I have to go under, oh, I have this. So they feel, oh, yeah, definitely. It must be her mom. (laughs) Yeah, just graduate, go with it. With my mom, mm. <laughs> so it does go with it. But it, at the end of the day, I, I think thinking, great question. Thinking about it, I can. I, I think when you give people what they want, they don't really care where it's coming from. Where did that come from? Did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Did that something? Did your parents encourage you? Like, where did that come from at that young age? 
I don't. So, like I said, I think because I had to uh, run this old three, the Babin Saloon, the the the, the off license, and that at sixteen, I just loved it. So I, the very first thing when when they gave it to me to do, I was like, why? I felt that why would they do that? This is unfair. I'm meant to be out there playing. So really, I didn't want it. <laughs> but then when I started to do it, it was fun. I was like, oh, economics. Demand, supply, you give people what they want. When you have a lot of this, when this is a hype, you give them a bargain. When they, so I was just coming up with stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now that I'm much older and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, oh, wow. As in that was like, oh, uh, that was a mentorship program. Mm. It was an accelerator program. And so <laughs> without me even thinking that was what was happening, I learned so much from that. I learned the power to bargain. I learned how to walk away from deals. I learned how to address customers. I learned, you know, just from so many things, like because you're you're talking to people, you're meeting hundreds, if not, you know, more than hundreds of people every single day. And this is every type of person. Think of the Babin Saloon. You have a little boy. He's going to be crying. He wants to, you know, someone has to hold him. But then you're also wondering, I don't want this boy on this chair because... Will have probably caught two other hair, uh, two other adult mm. hair at the time. But all right, at the end of the day, we don't discriminate. Yeah. So you're learning different type of things while you're doing this this business, and you're like, okay, you're paying adults. Remember what I'm? This is like a little girl telling these guys, "Here is your salary. Mm. This is the basic. Where it, this is, it, do you understand? Yeah. And some of them are on commission. It's like I also had to build employee rapport. In that sort of way that, yeah, it's still just Tommy. It's not, I just happen to have to do this. You understand? Mm. So, so thinking back um, and going through all the other things I've done, I can see me taking the knowledge that I learned from that into a lot of things without knowing. Because all this is like subconsciously doing it. Mm. Mm. And then after um, you've left them, you went to university in Nigeria and you came to the UK and that's when you started to... Oh, my story coming to the UK is an exciting one. What's the Because it has an entrepreneur in it. <laughs> How did that happen? So, so this is me now like, okay, dad, I need to come to the UK. And it's like, you must be joking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how? Yeah. Who is going to pay for us coming mm. to study in the UK? And I'm, I'm coming to study ACCA, da, da, da. so I said, you don't have the money? All right, we'll figure it out. So this is me now. Already, I have friends that do like, you know, there's ushering jobs. Do you know what ushering jobs are? Um, what, like so, a, so, so let me explain it. So it's yeah. like you'll have like this big event and you need people to like distribute flyers at the door oh. that like will give you, you know, welcome to this event. And mm. they're all pretty much wearing the same attire. Mm. So and then they pay them. So I had these friends. I think I'd, I've done one gig at that time. I'm like, okay, so if I do a bit more ushering jobs, I might get, but I realized, oh God, that's going to take a long time. I need to pay the school fees quickly. So this is why I went into modeling. And as I was just lucky, I would say. And, but then luck only finds was looking for something. I was desperate to look for something. And, but then I also knew my integrity matters. And I wanted to do things that I could be proud of as well. So I looked at what are the skills I had? What can I do? People came to say, oh, Tommy, you've got a pretty face. I'm like, all right, let's put it to use. So, mm. what, what, so what can we do here? I'm like, who are these girls on this calendar, on these billboards? How do they get it? And I got, I landed a Coca-Cola billboard. And that was how I got my money to come to school. Oh. <laughs> so I was on like a few calendar billboards around that time, which was, which was incredible. So I used that. And I just told my dad, I paid the school. He's like, how? I'm like, look at it. Mm. And it was so, wow, like, just you think outside the box. And I'm like, yeah, because I desperately want this. I think there's nothing here for me. And I can see what is for me if I go out of the country and if I try to do things this way. So I came to the UK. Um, I don't have a whole lot in my hands. And I, I, even, I came a bit late. So I got to school thinking everything was just, you know, you have this whole idea of the UK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, oh, sorry, there's nowhere for you to stay. So I called my dad, I'm homeless. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's call your cousin. So there's this big cousin that I have. And and I call her auntie as tradition, you yeah. know, because they're all way bigger than you. So I, and she lives in Elephant and Castle. And so she was so excited to have someone. So mm. she said, oh, come over. And then I got there. I'm like, oh my God, what is this? 
<laughs> it's like a, a house, like a, it's a two or three bedroom house. And every single room was rented. You know, uh, like there's no living room. Mm. Everyone, you know, do you know the sort of, yeah, it's yeah, every, I'm and then you. in her room was her, a daughter uh, and her, um, a boyfriend that's at the time. So now four of us mm. in this one room. Wow. I'm like, oh my God, what is London? <laughs> this is not London. <laughs> <laughs> London's expensive. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so that was like a very quick wake up call. But remember, I hustled to come to the UK. So I wasn't coming here to joke at all. So she said, oh, Tommy, I've got a job for you. I was excited. Oh, wow, easily. She said, okay, this job is a cleaning job. Yeah. But they, they have... They have one key and they need two people that know each other. She's willing to do it. Will I be willing to do it? I'm like, ah, job is a job. Let's go. Thinking I can do it, really. <laughs> and then we started. Um, and then the first day, it was the, the, the cleaning thing was in Regent Street. Mm. And then the first day we were like cleaning and she's like, that's not how to do it. You, you clean up. Like, oh, my God, my back. My <laughs> After like the first week. I'm like, nah, <laughs> this is not for me. So she said, no, Tommy, they're not going to pay you. I'm like, no, let, they could keep the money. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, she was so angry, but I'm like, I'm really sorry. I know this means a lot, but I can't do it. And I'm like, okay, Tommy, what's, what's next for you? I said, I'm going to take a bus. Whatever bus I see now, I take. And wherever this bus is going, that's my last bus stop. And I start looking for work. So I took bus 452 from Elephant and Castle. And it went all the way to Baker Street. And I came down Baker Street. I crossed the road and I started working. I remember going past Easy Cafe. And I looked at it because of the cafe experience, you know. And mm. I kept walking past. And I saw the shop with a sign, um, assistant needed. So it's like a place where they sell DVDs. It's called That's Entertainment. Mm. And I went in and I'm like, yeah, yeah, the sign. And the lady's like, where's your CV? I'm like, I'll be right back. <laughs> and then I went, <laughs> and I went straight to... Um, the Easy Cafe, and then I just typed out a CV. <laughs> there and then. There and then. I'm like, <laughs> oh, they taught me in school. What is, what's a CV? <laughs> yeah. I went to Yahoo. What's the sample? Oh, mm. that's it. Ba, 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 ba. And I went, I, I couldn't have walked like more than 10 steps. Then I got a phone call. I'm like, yeah, you're up for an interview. Where interview is in Victoria? Remember, I don't know anyway. Where is Victoria? <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, get on bus 82. So the interview I, was the same day? Exactly the same day. Wow. Everything happened in like 30 minutes. Yeah. And then I go on bus 82, I got the job. And I'm like, that easy? And to get myself into corporate, it also took me talking. So in the job, at the job, a lot of people do not speak English. Mm -hmm. So my is, I speak English, but I have Nigerian accent. And I deal with it. Mm -hmm. And with there, I'm basically selling to them. And then one of the ladies there just said, Oh, you you sound so educated. I said, I am. Mm. And then she said, I'm like, yeah, I've, yeah, I studied insurance. She's like, oh, wow. My sister has an insurance, uh, works at an insurance company, and they're looking for staff. Should I tell them about you? I'm like, please, please, please. And that's mm. it. Before you know what's happening, I landed an insurance job. So that's how I got into corporate. So my first corporate was AIG. I was selling. Uh, yeah, um, firm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I was selling what's it called? Ins I was an insurance salesperson. And mm. the first month of being in AIG, I just kind of broke three records. So I had the first, the best um, insurance salesperson, the best newcomer of the month, and the best mm. something. I can't remember the third one. <laughs> but yeah. it was just like, so I, mm. this is now me now realizing you can sell. Because mm. what I realized was if I get into your home to sell you insurance, you're buying. So mm. I have pre-qualified you on the phone. And by the time I'm getting into your home, like your hesitations should just be out of the way because mm. I believed in the product. Mm. So, and basically that's how I found myself in corporate. From there, people started talking about, oh, mortgages. I'm like, what wow, mortgages? Mm. I Googled that. I realized that, oh, um, for you to be able to sell mortgages, you have to have a license. How do you get a license? I did that. I got myself a license. But then it took, you know, I failed. I picked myself up. Uh, you know, I became homeless at some point. And before mm. you know what's happening, I found my way into being a mortgage advisor. Um, so it's just been like, now it's easy to say. Yeah. But when it was happening, it just felt like, oh, God, it's just, 
I, I just had to drive. That's all I could see. Like, it sounds like you're very you're very very driven from a young age up and from all those very early years yeah that you sound like you're the kind of person that you know what you want and you're just going to go and get what you want like all right i know i want to go to the uk i know i want to go to london i'm going to go and i'm going to make it work i know i want to do this i'm going to make it get a bus to wherever and i'm going to make it work um and i feel like that kind of a uh, i feel like that kind of a mindset is very very important if you're trying to be successful in whatever it is you want to do i think you've got to have that a level of drive um and that level of tenacity to go through what you want and not give up when you face some kind of a temporary failure or some kind of temporary setback yeah um, it seems like you had that from a very young age so i i, I agree with you but i had that not even knowing that i had that but mm. now I could, and I've done so many things that I've failed at as well. So it's not like mm. everything has been great, great, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think what, what, I, what I've started to learn and what I appreciate from the journey is the fact that, yeah, the tenacity is there, is the fact that I was not scared. So remember, I don't know what's on the other side of the door. I'm, the boss, I don't know where I was going to land. The, you know, the, someone said, oh, the, oh, my sister has someone insurance company. I don't even know what AIG was, but I was very curious. So immediately I heard that I Googled it, I know what it is. So showing up, I'm turning up like I've known this all my life, you know. Mm. And it's about when, the, when it matters, turn up. And that's what I started to figure out. I'm like, the conversation with my dad to say I'm coming to the... I knew he didn't have the money, but I'm like, what if he does? Just ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand? Yeah. So it's always that. And in what we're doing now, what we all the, the, the different businesses we've helped and all the things that I've done so far, I just feel like life is like a dot and everything you're doing, the dots are scattered everywhere. Sometimes they start to join. And mm. then you start to see, oh, wow, I can do this because I did that. I can do this because I did that. That Now this makes sense. I have this experience. Because, so I'm seeing everything just kind of coming together. And they're coming together in a different manner. Yeah, I think that's that's the beat of life. You know, you try lots of different things here and there. And then later on down the line, it's like, okay, this or this experience from wherever helped me. This experience, I met this person, I met that person. These things all come together. It's like a big melting pot. And then you end up on the other side of the person you are with all of these different experiences and things you've been through yeah. that have shaped you into the person you are. Um, and you, you seem as well like you 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 have a knack of finding, um, how do you put it, like spotting opportunities mm. from when you were young again, because mm -hmm. I'm like going back to childhood again, <laughs> from when you're listening out to conversation here and people talking about Ankara Prince, oh, okay, I can do that. <laughs> and then you're working in this um, in this other job and then you're hearing someone say, oh, like they, they're looking someone's the insurance job and you end up doing that by spotting an opportunity. And then again, after when you've started to make that transition out of the corporate world into the event brie, and again that was another opportunity that for your own experience but it's an opportunity you've kind of put things here and there you're like, oh wait there's an opportunity there university yeah. of the belts you're listening oh there's a problem maybe perhaps there's an opportunity and probably a number of other things so you're listening yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah. Hmm, there's an opportunity there let me let me give it has you're you're spotting on that one and and i think that now that i'm i, I think that's that's exactly what it is i've just had a curious mindset it's like and it's not just not i think it goes even beyond curiosity it's all about i i really feel like if you put me in the desert i'll find water mm. i just believe in myself do you understand so and i i don't think anyone has two heads i can't see mm. anyone with two heads so mm. why can't i become whatever i want to become i think i'm my own limitation and because i have that mindset and I always want to know what's going on that could benefit me because if you're not listening, then you don't even know it's happening. Mm. So you have to have a curious mindset. You have to have your ears on the ground and not just to only things. And, and sometimes that could seem selfish because you're only trying to listen to things that will favor you. But that doesn't work. You have to have your mind, your ears on the ground, to even things that don't concern you because it concerns someone that you care about and then you could quickly tell them. So when they find things that concern you, they'll tell you. And you're not doing, it, it might not even be the same person you told that is telling you. So it's like a boomerang thing. And so I, I've seen people say, how come you know a lot about everything? I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know a lot about enough things yet, you know? Mm. But that's because someone is talking about this. I'm like, I put my time. I'm like, what is this about? And then I research into it and I, I'm like, okay, I have a, an understanding. Do I want to know more? 
then I press the accelerator. Am I cool with what I know? Then I'm like, all right, I'll just do me. Mm-hmm. And that's basically how I run this. So it's like, I, my, my team will tell you, oh, people say, does she code? I'm like, I've dabbled into it, but I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm, I'm an engineer. But mm-hmm. then if I, if I, but I won't be shocked tomorrow. Because if someone is about to just get up and say, oh, I can't do this. I'm like, what does, you haven't got three heads, you know, <laughs> you lent it. <laughs> I can learn it too. So that is that mindset that I just feel like nothing is impossible. I feel like impossible is two letters too long. And because I have that mindset, I, I just understand that it's going to be hard. I'm not kidding myself. It's going to be tough. There's going to be sacrifices. Provided the sacrifice is what it, then maybe is what doing. Do you ever get scared when you're moving into, move, try and branch out to new things? I think the older I get, remember it was easy when you don't have kids, you don't have anything. It's just me, so I have nothing to lose. Mm. Now it's a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so now I start to see the fear that I didn't have before start to cripple in. And these are things that I'm trying to, and all I have to do is to remember the Tommy that was 22, the Tommy that I had no fear, the Tommy, and then I just like go back into that again. Like what what made me fearless? And there's so much power in being fearless because, you know, I, yeah, we say fear is a lie, but then it, it really comes when it gets you, it gets you. And this is you trying to walk into a, a door. I'll give you an example, like what we're doing right now um, with, with Techmonium and things like that. I've bootstrapped three businesses into over six figures and um, what am i saying seven figures yep and this is no main fit and i've all i've known is bootstrap i'm like why do you have to put your money in me if, if i can't bet on myself why should anyone bet on me that's been the mindset so i know how to grind but then it takes a completely different mindset when you're trying to build something that is hugely impactful and to do that, you need to wipe off what you know and try to embrace something new. It means you have to be a kid again. And to be a kid again, mm. <laughs> um, it, it takes challenges. It, there's going to be things that, you know, you were already set in your ways and now you will need to change. So I think those are things that I'm learning. That's my latest issue. You know, and I'm embracing that. I'm seeing myself like, oh, wow. All right. Maybe I know that. Maybe I know that. And that in that area, you need to learn more in this area. You need to listen. You need to take feedback. You need to look at who have done this um, in a way that you admire. And you need to, you know, if you can speak to them, speak to them. You need to find more people and listen to people have more people that you can, you know, within your own network that you can actually really reach out to and be able to say, oh yeah, I don't know this, help me. Um, so I think those are kind of like the areas that I, um, so that it's a little bit scary, but even though it's scary, I just know it wasn't, I, I, I'm not one that kid myself that it's gonna be easy. So, you know, when you already know it's not gonna be easy, but I just don't know how hard is it gonna get. Mm. Um, so I'm like, how hard is this gonna get? And I'm like, okay, when will, but I know regardless of how hard it gets, I don't have the mindset of, no, I'm not doing this again. Um, I'm just gonna figure out how to jump through whatever comes in. And I, I keep saying, when you're a determined entrepreneur, it's like having a boat on an island and you have to burn the boat. People don't burn the boat. If you don't burn the boat, you're, mm. you're, it's like you have somewhere else you could go. You could still sail out. But once the boat is burnt, that's it. You have to find water. There's water on the island. You have to find food. You have to make a home out of the trees. You have to. And before you know what's happening, that you, you build this beautiful mountain and um, this beautiful mansion that people can see when they're flying high and now becomes a destination. Anything is possible. So, but then is it going to be hard? Of course, you will learn how to make fire with rocks. You will learn the things you don't, you know, and hopefully you, if you have companion on there, then maybe, and if, and those are kind of like your support system that can help you through this journey. Both support system or not, they can only help you as far as they can help you have to be a big believer in yourself and not mm. let um, the word tell you, you know, this is possible, that's not possible. 
and this is a lot of things I see, especially from um, from a lot of uh, women, and also from a lot of people of color. We, and it's not it's out of it's <laughs> for women. It's a matter of we've had to fight, and we're still fighting this equality thing, and there's a mindset that we have that for something for us to go out for something everything has to check we just all the check boxes have to all be ticked for you to actually really go out for this thing and sometimes and and i do the same i feel like there's an application i have to make sure that i check all the boxes or oh, they've written there oh you must make this amount and you're like oh i'm just you know, five pounds shy. I'm not quite there. I wouldn't check mm. the box. Well, a guy doesn't think like that. They don't check the box. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm almost there. Round it up, round it up, you know. So it's like, how do you have that sort of courage? You have to develop it. And those are kind of like the things that I'm finding that, oh, Tommy, no. You can't see. Even though, yeah, you don't you don't meet the criteria. You you make yourself meet the criteria. Let them tell you, no, what's, good, what's the worst that's going to happen? Apply. Mm. They'll check it out. She doesn't meet. Oh, that is your applied. But if you're not in the game, nothing is going to happen. If you're not in the game, no one is going to see you. How do you develop that courage? I think it's something, right now I'm going through some, there's coaching. There's looking at people that have it. I can sense people that have it. There's some people that walk in the room and I'm like, oh my know. God, yeah. Like he walked in the room. Mm. This person is in the room. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you make your presence known in the room? Because for me, I just don't know how to be a stance. I don't know either, you know? And you're like, okay, there's, there is, there's a way you don't want to do that because your integrity, if there's anything I've learned, your integrity is the only thing you have. So you can go broke. If you lose your integrity, you're done. So that you have to keep, you know. So you can't go on those sort of uh, tracks. But you have to say, okay, how did he work? What did he say? How can I, what, okay, who is he? What, what made him or she be able to say that? And then you're like, okay. And then you are practicing. So I'm a work in progress. This is, this is the one thing I, re you know, I see people that have it. I'm like, I want that. I want to be able to walk into a room and be able to, uh, even if it's not all, it's not complete, but I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to, you know, yeah, we're going to change the world, you know, we're the best things in sliced bread. <laughs> but it's like, it just feels like, you know, it's, how do they call it? Is this soft bragging? Is this soft? Well, I don't even know what you'd call it. Like, um, I don't know what you'd call it exactly. Yeah, that's like having that, that belief and really having that self confidence. And exactly. That I think it's just another level of self confidence. So I used to think I was confident, but I felt like there are areas where oh my my confidence really shakes, and and you're like oh well, should I be here? Should I not be here? You know those sort of things. And I'm learning, and this is true. Like like I mentioned, there's coaching involved. There's also looking at people and really admiring and understanding that okay yeah this person no they don't really have everything figured out they also had to get the belief from somewhere and then you tap into their belief and then you start to believe and yeah yeah a lot of people don't necessarily have it figured out i think just, but you wouldn't know maybe because mm. of the way they carry themselves some exactly people, you know that fake it till you make it sort of mantra some people are really like that they'll walk into a room and they can talk and say the most nonsense ever like what if <laughs> they just believe in yeah. themselves and yeah. they've been able to talk themselves into wherever person they're in um, I think that's very important. I find fake it till you make it really hard, you know? It's like, uh, it's just hard. Uh, but, but I know people that people really do that, do that well. And I think, yeah, sometimes that's what is needed. Like, you fake it till you make it. Uh, but then, some, yeah, it's, if you don't have a knack for it, it's something you'll have to learn and use it at, at some point. But not necessarily all true life, like yeah, you know. it's, it's something you can develop for sure. Like when you talk about men, for example, just maybe being a bit more go getter in some some particular types of um, situations. Like there's um, a guy for, I know. Like there's these two colleagues I used to have actually, and they both what they do. They applied for a job, I think, mm. and uh, in the job spec, both of them basically didn't have what the job spec was asking for. So the woman was more, uh, what do you call it, more. Um, 
honest and said, I can't do it. Whereas the guy <laughs> just really picked himself up, said, I can do it. Got given a job. He didn't know a thing. Of course. But he learned on the job. <laughs> but he didn't know anything. He was telling me, Tevin, I don't know. I don't know what I know, I'm doing. Yeah, I just, just going, yeah, just, yeah, 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 to everything. Like, yeah, I can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got the job. Massive pay rise. He just learned over time. Everything over time. Um, and I think you, you kind of feel like you, you, when you put yourself into certain positions, you either sink or swim. And oftentimes people, we can surprise ourselves. Yeah. Um, you can yeah. surprise yourself by how much you can rise to certain situations and certain times. Oh, 100%. And then how do you, no one is going to give you a chance if you, and, and I think if that is the meaning of fake it till you make it, then I'm all for that because no one is going to give you a chance if you don't give yourself a chance. And that's it. It's like, it's like, oh, this, this takes me back to, you say another business, logistics. Yeah. So I... I, I, I did a logistic business at some point and how that basically started was out of curiosity again. I, so this was when uh, myself and my now husband, we, we went to Harvard and then we, we did some study and we learned some things there and we wanted to like, okay, this time around, if we're going to build anything, we're going to try and build a sustainable business. I learned about the whole pain, you know, you're, you're trying to build a painkiller, you're trying to build a vitamin. So I, I was trying to figure out, okay, so now I want to really build something that is going to have a legacy. So I saw this, this person that comes to my house, you know, like the postman, but then this is like a uh, parcel force. So the dropping parcels. Mm. So with the guy dropping parcel, I actually know him. I'm like, hey. And I just started to ask questions. And I'm like, mm, how do you get hired? Well, what happened? Tell me about this. And then he told me, I'm like, can I come on a trip with you tomorrow? And we deliver together and say, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll come. I'll yeah. sit in your van. And then say, like, okay, all right, cool. Are you sure? I'm like, yeah. And then I went in his van and I, I started to just question him. And he was very happy that he had a company. Mm. And then I said, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I, I learned quickly that, oh, wow, when there is a demand, when, you know, you know the whole Christmas season, mm. um, that the parcels become manic and crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, m- most of the big, um, logistic company they can't cope with it so they need to have contingency workers and these workers need to have their own vans so that they could help in delivering all these parcels Mm. so they have all these companies that give them these workers and there's never enough I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> so before I knew what was happening, he said, oh, there's, there's a, there are vacancies everywhere. I'm like, show me the next one. So I saw one at Yodel. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to apply. I'm not really going to be a driver, but I just want to know the process. Mm. So I went, I applied, I did their induction. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wasn't going to take the job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking job. I did the induction. I learned the old lingua. Yeah. I'm like, brilliant. And then I just went and created my own logistic company. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, now I need to find contracts and I need to find drivers that have van. Mm. Then I put an advert on Gumtree. And I'm like, have you, are, you, do you, are you a driver? Do you have a van? Um, apply, you know. And this is the, so this is reminding me of the fake it till you make it. So mm. the person applying is like, oh, this big company. I'm like, just apply. <laughs> and um, I'm like, okay, how do I get the contracts? So drivers started to apply. I'm like, oh, wow, we've got a thousand applications. How do wow. I go through this? So I went, to, I went, I said, okay, I'm going to list all the different uh, depots. So we call them like depots um, of this particular brand. So we start with DPD and we list everything. Then we go to Interlink and we list everything. We go to Citilink, then we list everything. So I started to do that and I went door to door to door, just slamming the door on my face. Mm-hmm. You can't see the manager. You know, the, you know so you know the, the receptionist. The, they won't even the let you evil. in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't want you to go. Oh, but I guess they're doing the job because at mm. the end of the day, their job is to, you know, they have lots of people that come in to just say different things. So yeah. it's just like, how do I stop you from going there? You don't mm. have the right to be in here. And I just got, I remember that day we had a list of 35 places to go. And I got to number 34. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. Wow. I'm, it's already 6 p.m. I'm going home. I'm tired. Maybe this job is not for me. Maybe. So I remember my husband. I'm telling me, Tommy, you wrote 35. We just have to finish. <sighs> and I'm like, oh, God. And this is where support system is important. The last one was, it was a DPD then. And then I just go into that office. And you remember, this is logistic, male dominated. Me in my high heels, skirt, shirt, corporate looking. <laughs> and, and then he's like, and then 
Luckily enough, as we got to the reception, we started to talk to the receptionist. The manager was on his way down to go do something. So he just looked, who are these corporate people? What are they doing here? So he had to have a stare. And then he had the conversation and said, oh, yeah, let them just come with me. And that's how we got the entry. By the time we sat down, he's asking, okay, so we've just got someone that disappointed us. Can you give us four drivers tomorrow? I'm like, oh, we're really booked out tomorrow. I don't have any drivers. <laughs> we're, really bo- <laughs> we're really booked out tomorrow. Yeah. But then um, next tomorrow, yeah, sure. We could mm. give you three. I don't know where they're coming from, but this is me just like, oh, my God. And yeah. in my head, I'm like, how on earth am I going to get this? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so you have to do this, 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 this. By tomorrow, send us this documentation. I've sent this already to the head office. Before that's it, we became a preferred supplier um, pretty much in one day because they <laughs> needed this demand. And we had, I remember, I, I did my homework. So everything was asking, do you have this, this insurance, that insurance? I had every single thing. So I was prepared. So it was very impressed with that. And then, I couldn't sleep that night because I was on the phone calling drivers. Have you got a van? Have you not got a van? Okay, you've got a van. All right. Can you do this? Then I asked them the questions that Yoda was asking me. And with that, I had my two drivers. One had a van, one didn't. I'm like, okay, enterprise car renter. Rented a van for the other one. And that's how we got the first contract. Wow. And before I know what's happening, this became really big. Um, We had the entire DPD all around the country ringing us to say, oh, I heard you did this for this branch. I heard you did this for that brand. The next year, we had um, CityLink. The next year, we had FedEx. The next year, we just just started to have all of them. And then what really then bust the bubble for me? And I I decided to now create an app for this. So I called it Multidroppers. We designed the app. We did everything. And then just at the tail end of releasing it, we just saw on the news that CityLink went bust. Uh. And then we had over 200 and something thousand worth of invoices unpaid. And Mm. I remember the administrator on EY ringing to say, you're not gonna get anything back. You'll be lucky to get even a hundred pounds. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, gosh, so the fear, Mm. as in I, (laughs) I was like, what? But good thing, I, while I was doing all of that, I still had a corporate job. Mm. So this is me now. Okay, now back back into the corporate world. Let's just <laughs> face this because all the money is gone. Mm. And, you know, so so I, 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 that just came back to me, as I said, fake it till you make it. Because the manager that day must really feel like, yeah, she's got it. She has this. Because there's no way she wouldn't have it. She has all this documentation. She, she Definitely, she has this thing. But I didn't. That, that's such an amazing story, and it goes to show like how important it is to be curious. Curious that we we're talking about before, like you proactively like saying to the the guy that comes to your house, the DPD delivery guy, I think you always said, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, let me come to your car. Let me listen. Let me come yeah, to my, my job. Yeah. Let me now see exactly how this works. Oh, there's opportunity. Oh, you're you're over. Oh, too many orders. Oh, okay. This and he's sensing an opportunity there, and you're curious. And then within a day, you've gone and secured a contract. Uh, it's, it's so important I think actually to be curious yeah and not just that and then ask the right questions so you know you're asking questions why you know just ask the right and also think of the other person what's in it for them because for me I could have sat him down and asked him all the questions in my house because it's convenient for me but that's me being selfish well I know that it, if I'm sitting in his van then he'll be free you know mm. then I'm devoting my entire day to him helping him why he helps me you get the point yeah. so this is this is where people get it wrong because you you tend to just you want someone to can do you have this time what what is the need for take, the other take, person take, you want take. to take exactly yeah, yeah so you have to also learn to give in fact you give first and yeah. then before you know what's happening it just keeps coming no actually i, I definitely agree you know sometimes you probably get it quite a bit actually like you might maybe get people messaging you on like socials or linkedin and asking um can i have a can i have a half an hour call with you and stuff and I'm like I'm so busy. Yeah, I'm yeah, so so yeah, busy. Yeah, right? yeah. And then it's like without them, maybe having some. If they can maybe come with some kind of a, I can help you. Like you don't have the delivery driver, I can come on your route with you and help you. Then it becomes a lot more. Okay, whilst you're helping me out, I'll give you something back. Exactly. Um, At least do your research about the person. Know exactly what they, what they need, what they want. And then if you are placing to them that oh. I know that you're doing this, this, this is how I can help. This is what, so the person says, oh, all right, okay, you, it's a different approach when yeah. it comes to that. 
Have you got the Tech 1M or Tech, yeah, tech, 1, tech 1M? Yeah, Tech 1M. Yeah. Long names for it. So I've heard you talk about, I've seen you talk about um, diversity quite a bit and the importance of diversifying, particularly the tech space. And mm. before we started, we were talking about how undiverse some certain industries are. Um, mm-hmm. I work in finance now, um, incredibly undiverse. I mean, the company I work at is quite diverse, but generally speaking, it's incredibly undiverse. And just in the corporate world in general, is un- it's not very diverse at all. Um, and that's something important I've heard you you mentioned before. Was the tech 1M like your answer to trying to diversify the workplace a bit more? Yes, I, I, absolutely. So I think tech, tech 1M, diversity, like we mentioned, is very important. And representation, it's highly important. You could see that in, um, remember the, the Disney movie the that is not even out yet, mm. The Little Mermaid. Oh, I the, saw the reaction. The yeah, the new the, one the, that's the coming black, out. The black, yeah. And then it's like, ah, she's black. Yeah. It, that just tells you everything you need to know. Because mm. that means that there's not been enough of that, you know. And for me, Taekwondo um, started as me trying to, um, we, we said, okay, we wanted to definitely accelerate the careers of the next one million tech talents. That was the initial plan. And that was why the name was Tech One Million. And this is me looking at myself like, okay, I came to this country from Nigeria. There's a whole lot of talents everywhere in the world. And I felt like creativity is everywhere. It's all about opportunities. If they're given the right opportunities, regardless of your race, your gender, your sexual orientation, whatever, just based on your skills alone and you know what you can actually deliver, then I think more people, this, this, this so-called wealth will be spread around. And that was the whole thing. I'm like, okay, what if we train a lot of people and then they get to work? Are people going to hire them? So it started like an experiment. So we're like, let's train a lot of people. So this is from my Tedbury company. Let's train a lot of people. Are people going to hire them? Then I saw people start hiring them. I'm like, okay, there's something here. So then we started Tech One Million. And the whole point in there was the, the initial plan was that. And I felt, okay, Maybe the way we make money from this is if someone hires this person, then the company can then pay us like a, a finder's fee. So in um, late 2002, the Black, uh, Google Black Founders Fund of 2022. So that was, I think we we're just like a month old then. Then we applied to that. But remember, we've already tested the pilot before forming Tequanem and becoming a Montauk. So I went on and we got to the interview stage of, of that. And quickly, the bubble burst. And uh, Google was like, we really like your idea. However, there are two things. One is the fact that you, we are not sure if you are a talent acquisition platform or you're an edutech platform. Remember, we train people and then we then hire them out. Mm. And then the second thing they said was, your, within your sales cycle, your customer is last. I'm like, oops, okay. This mm. is, that really, I can't forget those two feedback because it changed everything for me. It changed what Tequanium is right now. And mm. if there's anything, now, I was actually grateful that I applied and got to that stage for them to even hear exactly what we do from my mouth and be able to give us that feedback. And um, it was very, very tough to take. But what I did next was what got us to where we are right now. I took that and I told my team, they're right. It makes sense. I didn't take it and get angry. I didn't take it and soap. Like, why? What's that going to do? You know? So it's like, you should be, you know, there's people have taken time to give you feedback. That is, people don't have time. So now this is not just anybody. Google has taken time. They paid people to give you feedback. Take it. Mm. So I'm like, I took that and I said, what are we going to do? Let's address this one by one. Are we a talent acquisition platform or are we uh, an edutech platform? I'm like, we're both. Why should we be both? Can we be both at the same time? The answer is no, because you will never grow. So mm. what do you do? Because you have to focus is a big deal. Yeah. And if there's if there's anything I'm telling you about my story, you realize that she's when she says this nice thing, she goes for it. She goes focus. How do you focus? So I'm like at this point in my life, focus is everything. How do I? And that is the only way to build something really sustainable, really big, really. So what do we need to? I'm like okay, we're training people. 
we're having this boot camp, we're going to carry on because we really think that that is more of a social impact aspect of it. We'll figure out how to monetize that, but then let's really build the core thing we want to build that will help these people in here as well. So we sat down and started all over again and said, let's run a market research. What exactly is the problem within this industry? And then we realized that, oh, wow, the hiring process is broken. It's quite difficult for people to, you know, uh, if you want to hire anyone into your organization, you won't believe it. It takes about 43 days to even find the person. Mm. Then it takes you a further 34 days to onboard the person into your organization. That's like the average based on based wow. on what we're seeing, because you want them to get induction, go through this book, understand that before they could read it out gets into the hang of the organization and what is going on. We realized that the pandemic gave bring, brought in a whole new dynamic. Talents wanted what they want. It became a talent market. So they're the ones saying, I really want to work for this type of company. I now want to work for a company that really believes in my own future. Climate change is real. And I want to work for a company that really believes and wants to invest in sustainability. So we are like, okay, this is what the talents are saying. So we decided, why can't we build a platform that really thinks of talent first, but also understands the company's business's mission and then try to bring them together. So this is how, this is how we changed the quantum. So we created an AI algorithm. And in doing that, we asked talent, what exactly, what type of company do you want to work for? What do you want to do? And then, and this is when you're coming into the platform. And then you start to say, oh, yeah, I want to work for a company. Now, yeah, so, you know, this is changing the way you, you apply for jobs. Because then you see this job, you just apply. No. So now we're saying, what type of company do you want to work for? So you then tell us, uh, oh, yeah, I want to work for a fintech company. The company needs to have this number of employees or, I, or you know, the company needs to be this sort of size. Oh, I don't mind if they're this sort of size, but they need to value diversity and inclusion. They need to value this. They need to value that. Their mission needs to be a big mission. They need to allow remote working or at least be hybrid. Then, you know, then all of that together we are learning that and we're like okay so we're going to show you those sort of jobs and companies so not just the job because the job can match you the company might be the wrong one so this is the difference in the way we we, we then started to do things so we started to test that we saw that's interesting we're like okay one of the things that companies told us was that um you know they want to especially small businesses, they want a big runway. It's difficult for them to hire someone. Let's say you want to hire someone in America, an engineer in America, it became crazy. Mm. Um, even for us, um, we're trying to hire talents in Nigeria. They're calling times five, what they typically call. You're trying to hire, uh, find a software engineer in the UK. Oh my God, it's so difficult. So we are like, okay, it has to be a cross-border platform. It has to be a place where they could find talents anywhere. And if talents are being trained everywhere, talents are everywhere. So what's the whole point? Why can't it be? So what are the barriers stopping them from hiring people abroad? So we ran another survey. And then we realized that, okay, there is compliance issues. There are legal issues, taxes. Also, there is also time zones. There's language barriers. There's all of that. So we're like, okay, which one can we tick off? And which one can we keep working in progress to? So we're like, okay, so if we take off the compliance issue, the tax issue, the payroll issue, would you hire them? Oh yeah, we'll hire them if they have the skills. So this is where we, be, we started to do global hiring. And so we started to find local um, legal advisors, local payroll, local offices in different countries where whenever, if you now come to the platform and say, I need someone in Bulgaria and you find someone in Bulgaria, you don't need to worry within seconds Basically, you can hire this person compliantly because we then take away all those worry for you. And that is what Techonem has become today. Now it's now like a one intelligent platform for you to discover. You find this talent, the AI matches you. We use video for you to, you know, get this, review this talent very, very quickly. And then when you get to the point of, I want to hire this person, we take away all of those burden away from you. And then we definitely then help you get this person hired. So I think, like I like I've mentioned, all of this is a way of listening to feedback, getting 
listening to the customer, listening to the people that are going to use it. And based on that, acting. And we're still acting. We're still changing. Uh, if the market changes tomorrow and our customers say this is something else they want, we will try to adapt to that based on, but without changing the vision of where we're going. How does the Tech 1M fit into your own overall vision? Oh, it's my overall vision. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't do anything that I don't that doesn't go with my. Like I told you, integrity is big for me. Mm. So I I don't do anything that doesn't I don't have passion for. There's no point. I don't do anything. It has to do two things. It has to help people, and then I have to make money. The two have to go side by mm. side. So for me, I think Tech 1M is my cry of um, pretty much people are people provided they have the skills, regardless of their age, their sex, wherever they are, if they have the right opportunity, they should be able to deliver and make an impact. And Tequanim is doing just that. Regardless of who you are, it doesn't really care. Provided you have the skills, now you need to make yourself, everything is now on you. The opportunities are now right in front of you. You said you want this. Now we're showing it to you. Are you gonna turn up? And then we're giving you everything possible. We have, you know, we're creating partnerships with the likes of Udemy, with the likes of CAM to help people with their mental health. This is like talent on the other side. Well, so if you want to learn, then you could definitely still keep learning. But then once you've learned, you know that there's a platform here that you can actually find something that you say you want, not just what they say you, you need to do. Do you understand? So that's like the difference. So I think Tech 1M is that. And I think um, with the advancement of AI, it will keep learning and to keep understanding what people want and it's to keep changing it we want to be able to reduce the biases that that you you find when when people are trying to hire and with all this old technology advancements we're going to use that as much as possible to our advantage to make sure that you know we, we're, we're able to at least get close to this equality that's that's amazing you know i found you incredibly inspiring oh Just thank you, to you like, <laughs> so much and you know uh, I feel like I could sit down and talk to you for three, four hours. Easy. I know. I I'm like, oh, I just, I, this feels just like I, a chat. I feel like I could. I, you know, I've got my, my iPad here and I've got my notes and I haven't opened it once. Oh, to, wow. To look at anything. Because like, I feel like, yeah, just very incredibly inspiring. Oh, thank how, you. How I came across you in the first place was my wife follows you. And she was like, you can't get Tommy on the podcast. Oh, really? Oh, like, wow. Oh, okay, okay. I had a look. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you look perfect. Oh, um, thank you. Thank you so yeah, much. Thankfully, we've, we've got it here. And I feel like I could literally talk to you forever. Um, but alas, we have to wrap up our I know, stage. I know. <laughs> yeah, so um, just maybe like one or two questions actually before we okay. finish up. Your What's your goal? What's, do you have a personal vision that you're working towards? Ooh, my personal vision is, um, I think, pretty much what keeps me up at night and makes me want to do what I do. So I want my daughter to be able to get up and just know that she can be whatever she can she wants to be. And um, I think that's basically the, the drive. And I'm picking my daughter, not my son, because I feel like uh, the gender and also the fact that we share the same skin. And I feel if I can do that, there's so many people like her, automatically it rubs off on um, my, my, my son and it rubs off on a whole lot more children. So I think there's role models are needed. And if I'm seen as one, then I need to act like one. So I just feel like if, and this is me now being spiritual, <laughs> I feel like I'm brought into this earth and I'm given so many things. I feel like God has given me a lot and the only way I can leave, because we're going to leave with nothing, is that what impact have you made? What have I done on here? And provided I know I could do more, I'm not going to stop. So that is my goal, to make sure that I leave this world as better than I found it and to make sure that my daughter sees that she can do the same and even 10 times better. Yeah, and finally to wrap up, what advice would you give to somebody who's trying to drive some change in their own life, in their communities, some change in the world? Um, be the change you want to see, you know, that is the number one advice. So if you want to drive change, you be the change you want to see. Let other people be able to also look up to you. But then you also need to know that it's never going to be easy. Nothing is quick. Uh, when it's quick, you need to be careful. Um, so it's going to be challenging. And you just need to know that whenever the challenges happen, there's you are very, very close and that's the point where a lot of people turn back, but no, that's when you need to power on. So powering on allows you to see the light at the end of that tunnel. 
So um, I don't want to throw a lot of adage here, but you know, Rome was never built in a day. So you need to know that whatever you want and you want it so bad and you are convinced that that's the right thing, just know that challenges are going to happen, but never give up regardless of the challenge. Just keep going and definitely you'll see the light at the end of the tunnel. As you're going up, you're going to see, meet so many people. The, the people you meet on your way up, you have to be kind you have to be nice and you have to make sure that you're learning from the people you meet on your way up as well as the people you meet on your way down because life is in seasons. So that's kind of like my two cents on what I have learned so far. If your general overview of life is be kind, be polite, do to things, do things to people as you want them to do unto you. And whenever you're going, regardless of who the person is, just make sure that, you know, you, you see a beggar on the streets, they can't, this person might be someone that would help you in, in, in a few years from now. So um, just take that and I think you'll be fine. That's that. Amazing. So mm-hmm. that's, that's that. Yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank that's you. awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, like, so incredibly inspired. As I'm listening to you talk and I can hear you talk with like, a lot of passion and your journey, your story and the things you've learned, I'm like, wow. Like, this, this is, I'm literally I'm thinking so much about myself as I'm talking oh, wow. as you're talking thinking about okay yeah, and, and a thousand voices and where I want to take and everything like that I'm like wow like so so so, so yeah good. and you take it there it's just like yeah. you know like you're saying like we're just at the beginning we're talking mm-hmm. like it's not going to be easy if it's going to be easy then everyone would do it isn't mm-hmm. it yeah, so. yeah, and there's a lot of things we didn't even have a chance to delve into on your side. You have a lot of very serious accolades, yeah. <laughs> some serious accolades. Like you've won a number of awards, um, yeah, on different boards here, investor, like all sorts of accolades, like as in yeah, tech stars. Yeah, like, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of things happening um, on your end, and yeah, maybe <laughs> another time. Maybe if we ever do a part two or something, <laughs> like that, then. We could delve into some other things, but thank you so much for coming on. Thanks really, for having really, me. Really it was appreciate fun. It. it was fun talking uh, to you. Yeah, fun having you. <laughs> All uh, right. If people want to keep up to date with yourself and the work you do, how can they best do so? Um, yeah, so they could reach me on socials. I'm very, I think I'm very social. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, I'm Tommy Edwards, um, and Instagram. And I think it's just if you send a message, and I will definitely re- respond back to you. Cool, perfect. All right, that's that. Thank you for coming to the podcast once again. Uh, If you're listening, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do subscribe. It helps us so much. It helps us immensely with trying to get out these stories of these very inspirational people we get on the podcast. So please do subscribe, like and share and get your friends that you share to to like, subscribe and share to their friends as well um, so we can get more of these positive stories out there, challenge some negative perceptions and inspire some people along the way. But that's that for now. Thank you for coming to the podcast. That was Tommy Edwards. This is 1000 Voices. And for now, we're out.